I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Well, the headlines, of course, are that we have a deeply divided Congress. The question is when it comes to Ukraine. Uh, can Congress come together? You may have missed a uh, vote yesterday that may have signaled that the U.S. is in this for the long haul. Let's get beyond the headlines. Time to begin. Think you know the news of the day. Think again. We're really pleased to have joining us today, Josh Siegel, a reporter for Politico. Uh, Josh, you had a, a piece uh, talking about uh, no more dilly-dallying or lollygagging. Congress finally puts its foot down on Russia. Uh, tell us about that vote, which was significant, and uh, what message it's actually sending. Yeah, so we saw a very rare moment in the U.S. Congress where the Senate and the House both acted within really minutes of each other to pass legislation that revokes normal trade relations with Russia and another bill that bans Russian oil and gas. So these, I mean, these moves are, are, are very symbolic in that, you know, a lot of it are things that the administration has already been doing. So it was most, so in Congress doing it, it kind of, you know, in talking with lawmakers, they say it, it sends a message of unity. It's, it shows that, you know, the Congress is capable of, of rallying when the moment calls for. Uh, is, but as far as practical on the ground impact, you know, I wouldn't expect a lot of that, especially on the energy front. You know, we've already seen Biden, uh, you know, ban oil and gas. That did come at the behest of, of Congress. You know, it was they were originally skeptical of doing that because of fear of, of what that might mean for U.S. gasoline prices. But they did do it. You know, no U.S. refiners are taking in Russian energy. So. Yeah, you know, very much symbolic, but, uh, you know, Congress thought it was important to uh, to send that message. Yeah, and uh, as you look at that, uh, particularly in the Senate, uh, you don't get very many of those uh, 100 to zero actual votes. You get those unanimous consent things, but uh, an actual vote that way is is pretty rare these days. And uh, I was wondering, is is there any element of this, uh, I agree that with what you said in terms of it being mostly a symbolic move with what's already been done, but is this also sort of a message uh, from Congress to the White House saying, hey, we we know a lot of these things actually do fall uh, in, in our lane, uh, and we think we may need to act on that lane uh, in yeah. the future as opposed to just having the president do it by executive order. Yeah, you know, I mean, like I said, with, with, the, with the energy, I mean, it was, it was, you know, Senator Joe Manchin and Lisa Murkowski, very powerful senators, one from each party, who, who were really pushing the oil ban to start. So, 
so yeah, I think Congress has actually been ahead of the administration in certain ways. Um, so so you, you, yeah, you could interpret what happened here as a as another kind of show of of force in that way. Um, but you know, it, and also you know, I guess it depends somewhat on on the party. I mean, Democrats will say that we need to give the administration some some space and to work with European allies and coming up with a. A response, and you don't want to get in the way with that. The Republicans, of course, are, are saying there's more that that can be done, even you know, with secondary sanctions that would essentially cut off other countries from doing business with Russia and not just the U.S. So we haven't seen that move from the administration yet. But but yeah, I think I think you could interpret these moves as Congress kind of asserting its authority and saying, you know, we we have a voice in this as well. Yeah. Uh, and did we find anything out in the in the process of getting to these uh, overwhelming votes uh, in terms of any kind of tweaks or adjustments that were made uh, in either chamber before the, the votes were actually taken? Can you repeat that? Sorry. Uh, were there any uh, indication in terms of uh, changes that were made before the final bill was presented or any kind of real oh. negotiating or things that had to be overcome? Yeah, I mean, you know, with the, so the, this was really the Senate that we were kind of waiting on. So the House actually, I mean, you know, co- Congress can get complicated, but the House did approve a very similar version to, the, to the, these measures a couple of weeks ago. The Senate, there was just, yeah, I mean, there were some procedural questions around did you want to pair oil with the trade relations measure, and uh, eventually the Republicans did insist upon that, and it was agreed upon as you know as a, a recess period approach here. I think that always kind of prompts action, and uh, and and that's what we saw. But as far as you know, the last minute you know changes that might dilute or or strengthen the legislation, there wasn't there wasn't a lot of that. It was kind of more from the Senate's side, you know, we have a, they have a lot on their plate right now and just kind of what, what did they want to do? And they thought it was important. To, I mean, if they waited any longer, I mean, it becomes kind of a mood point, right? I mean, right. if you're looking at a couple more weeks, who, who knows what changes on the ground. So that, that was kind of what was holding up. In the yeah. Time. Those, uh, those airplanes at uh, Reagan international are, uh, are the great lubricant there in Washington to <laughs> get some Jet of these things done. We call it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, so, so they did get it done before they left down, uh, because as you said, who knows where yeah. things will be two weeks from now. Uh, but what are the things that you're going to be watching in terms of either yeah. ways that the that Congress will assert or where the uh, White House may lead uh, in the weeks ahead? Yeah, I think you know, given my energy is, is really my big focus, and of course, it's the biggest funding of Russia. I mean, that's that's what I'm watching. We've seen the Europeans. You know, Europe is, is who really depends on Russian energy, not so much the U.S. And they, they took some steps this week on preventing coal imports, but they haven't made moves on oil and gas. So I still think you're going to see the U.S. give some deference to Europe to kind of you know understand its, its priorities and obviously the economic shocks that might come with any move to cut off oil and gas. But I, I, I also think there's the possibility here in the U.S. that if, if things get worse in Europe for whatever reason gets cold feet, you could see the administration and even Congress push for like what I you know what are called secondary sanctions that would yeah essentially you know uh, be a, be a way at getting Europe to not import uh, Russian energy because you'd be punishing any business period that did business with Russia not just you know it wouldn't just involve U.S. importation of energy so that's kind of a big, a big area. I mean, that's, that's really what analysts say is, is, is what's continuing to fund the, you know, Russians war. So, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens there. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think 
the message from lawmakers is that that I got from members of both parties is that you know everything remains on the table and that they they feel like Ukraine actually has a has a chance to win this war now. It's not just kind of uh, you know waiting for Putin to withdraw. Like they they actually think Ukraine could could come out on top in the end. So that that's a, that's a change from a few weeks ago. Yeah, and just real quickly before I let you go, Josh, uh, on those secondary sanctions, uh, what is what is your sense? Uh, in the House and the Senate in terms of members' appetite uh, to go that, or, or is this one of those yeah. where we'll see the administration lean in first and Congress follow? Uh, any sense on that? Good point. Yeah, so definitely Republicans I talked to have already been calling for this for weeks, and it, it's obviously an easier position for them to take in the minority. Democrats are just not are not there. So, uh, I mean, the difference with the oil ban is you actually saw Democrats, even Speaker Nancy Pelosi, like she wanted that, that to happen. So yeah. that was pressure that the administration couldn't couldn't ignore. Whereas with this one, you know, we don't see the Democrats making hay there. So, uh, so yeah, I, 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 you know, we'll, we'll see. I mean, I think the administration could still act in this in this area without Congress forcing them to, but. You know, we've yet to see that appeal from Democrats in Congress. I'm not sure that we will. Okay. Great insight, uh, Josh Siegel, uh, reporter for Politico. Great piece there and a lot to watch in the weeks ahead. Uh, Again, Congress is out for the recess the next two weeks, uh, but much will continue to play out as we watch Ukraine and uh, what is going on there and how all, particularly the energy, uh, how that is all playing out for our allies across Europe. Uh, So there's a lot to think about. There's a lot to think through, but it's nice to see that on things that are crucial and critical, Congress can come together and actually get something done. Okay. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. With Lloyd Matheson on KSL News Radio. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, You need to. Give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.